Welcome to the Inez Franklin Teaching and Sermons Podcast. Inez is a teaching pastor, public speaker, and founder at trochia.org. Learn more about Inez at www.inezfranklin.com. We hope this teaching brings you guidance, connection, or tools as we seek God together today. Enjoy the teaching. Welcome, welcome to the chapel. I'm so glad that you're here. And today, uh, we're going to talk about family. Uh, This is kind of a continuation of what we've been doing here at the chapel. We've been talking about being one in Christ. And today, we're going to dive a little bit deeper on this idea of family. And the way we're going to do that is we're going to look at our verse uh, for the church. I don't know if you know this, but every year, our elders go away on a retreat. And they do many things. One of the things they do is they choose a verse for the year. Now, it's amazing because every time they choose it, they're not really sure how this verse is going to work out throughout the year. But when they look back, when they meet the following year and they look back and go, wow, this is exactly what God had for us. And so we're going to see today as we look at this verse how I do believe that God's trying to do something with our church, with our community that's even deeper than we have before. So let's read the verse together. This is from Galatians uh, chapter 5, verse 13. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Now, I don't know if you've read this verse before. I have many times. I've been trying to memorize it actually as the verse for the year. Uh, but quite often when I read this verse, I run over those words, brothers and sisters. Have you done that too? Like, you know, a lot of things in this very interesting freedom, and we have been called and love one another. All that sounds very, very important. So we skip over this idea that it says brothers and sisters. But, but... Oh, is there a richness in understanding why Paul uses this word? I believe the church, uh, that God is calling the church, us, the, the body of Christ, to be more like a family. And I'm going to show it to you how, how Scripture constantly uses this term to paint a picture of who we are, who we are as a community. Uh, now, last week, uh, if you were here, you know this, uh, we gathered in circles. Uh, how many of you were here last week? I don't see. Okay, good. So you got, we gathered in circles. And we made a commitment that we would finish this journey of faith well, trying to be one in Christ. And it was a beautiful time together. And as we're going to look at Scripture today, we're going to go behind deeper into this idea of how do we do that? How do we remain one in Christ? We're going to do so by being a family. Now, before we start into this verse, I want to just give you a context for what Paul is trying to do in this verse. You see, the whole letter was written to a bunch of churches in Galatia. And these churches were very, very confused. Uh, The faith started out as a Jewish faith, people believing in God, being the people, the nation of Israel who followed God. When Jesus came, he came so that the good news would not just be for the Jewish people, but the entire world. And so these new churches had Jewish people and Gentile people, people who were not used to gathering with one another. These churches had masters and slaves, men and women, and they were struggling with how to be one family as these new groups were gathering as one. And over time, there was some confusion because the the Jewish believers wanted 
the new believers to be uh, just like them and follow the laws that were already set up by God. And so including for the men that they needed to be circumcised in order to be part of the family of God. And Paul is writing a passionate letter saying, no, 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 you're misunderstanding the goodness of Jesus. It doesn't work that way. Now it's through grace, through Jesus Christ, that every person becomes a member of the family, which is why he uses this language, brothers and sisters. And though we might watch over it, the reality is we might run over those words, they have a powerful meaning for you and I, a group of people who've gathered here today, some of you, for the very first time. You don't know anybody else in this room, but if you are a follower of Jesus, what I want you to be reminded today is that you have brothers and sisters in Christ here. And that's who we are to one another. Now, I come, I have a blended family. Anybody have a blended family? I think more of you have blended family. Come on, how many of you have blended families? Okay, here's the thing about blended families. For those of us who have blended families, is that you tend to throw people who together who didn't really plan that. In our blended family, my husband and I got married. So our kids suddenly had more brothers and sisters that they cared for, if you know what I'm saying. So here's a quick picture of my family. Uh, It started out with a few kids, and look at that now. Now, the the core of the family is 18 of us. And in this picture, we also have my mom and Jim's dad and his wife. And the young man with a lot of hair, that's Kazra. He's dating my youngest daughter. They're not married yet. But the rest of them are already part of this family, the Franklin, we call ourselves the smoothie family. And that's because we have steps, step-children, step-grandchildren, step-moms, step-dads. We have half-brothers and sisters. It's a mixture of things. It's so mixed up, we've created a new social category. We're the smoothie family. Now, it looks beautiful, right? This is our Christmas picture. Uh, at this picture, our little baby, Ryan Elizabeth, wasn't born yet. So we're still adding to this uh, family. And I know it looks like a beautiful picture, doesn't it? Beautiful family. But it isn't always so beautiful. And again, if you've had a blended family, you know it's challenging. That sometimes in the blended family, we have conflicts. Right now, we got a couple of kids a little annoyed at each other. We're dealing with that. You've, you've never experienced that, right? We, we, you know, we have conflicts. Sometimes we hurt one another. But we also have a lot of fun. We have a lot of joy together. And nothing, nothing, nothing changes the fact that we are a family. All of that doesn't. Now, if you have a difficulty with your family, if you have a family that you don't get along with, you're not connected with, and, or has been a very painful experience for you, uh, I want you to experience today, I hope you'll have a glimpse of the family of God that is available to you. I have many friends whose families are either completely disconnected from their families. They lost their father or mother, and they're alone. And the church, the people of Christ, become their brothers and sisters. So I hope if that's you, that you will find hope today in the brothers and sisters that are here with you. If you have a great family and your family's awesome and you just can't talk about them enough, uh, then today I hope that you're encouraged because your family, as perfect, as good as your family is in the most wonderful moment of your family, is just but a small picture of the incredible, ultimate, blended family that God has created through Christ. And so I hope you get a picture of that today, that you are reminded you're part of this unbelievable, beautiful family that is put together through Christ. And we are brothers and sisters. And so I want to start by just breaking down this idea of brothers and sisters. 
The word behind this is one word, one Greek word, and it's called adelphos. And this word means brethren or sibling, brothers, uh, fellow believers, brothers and sisters. That's how it's translated. Now, this was radical. So often when we read the New Testament, when we read the stories of Jesus, we completely miss the cultural context and how radical this language is. Did you know that in the Old Testament, the idea of being called brother and sister simply because they were in the same faith just was non-existent? The idea of calling God a father, non-existent. Jesus breaks into the scene and he starts to use familial language that was unheard of with regard to God or the people of God. And we know this, that it's Jesus who introduces this term into the faith. He does it in his first sermon, his one sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. And listen to what it says in Matthew 5, verse 22 and 23. But I tell you, that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you're offering you gift at the altar, and you remember there that your brother or sister has something against you, and it goes on. Three times Jesus uses this word, Adelphos, first time ever being used about a fellow believer. It is Jesus who comes into the scene, breaking down this idea that we are, we are isolated from one another as we seek to be together with the Lord. He calls God the Father. He uses this term purposely to remind you and I, we are, if we put our faith in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we are brothers and sisters. In the Old Testament, yes, amen to that. See, I love the enthusiasm. Thank you. Sometimes I don't know, so I appreciate that. We are brothers and sisters in Christ, and that is something God chooses to do for us, not something we choose ourselves. We do say yes to Jesus, but instantly he is the one who makes us into brothers and sisters. Look what it says in John chapter 1, verse 12. This is John's words. He says, to those who believe in his name. That's the choice we make, to believe in Jesus. He gave the right to become children of God. Now, would you read this part with me? Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or husband will, but born of God. We are made children of God. That distinction, that intimacy with God is made the moment we say yes to Jesus. And now, all of those who make that decision, every person who says yes to Jesus, instantly becomes part of the family of God, brothers and sisters in Christ. And Jesus said there's no other way to be part of this family. In fact, he says in John 14, he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And in Matthew 12, he says, whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Anyone who has not accepted Jesus isn't part of this family, but when we say yes to Jesus, we are brothers and sisters. And it is God's desire, it is Jesus' desire, it's the Holy Spirit's desire, our heavenly, heavenly God who wants nothing more for everyone to be part of this family. It is an invitation for every single human being 
to be part of this family. It's like a house with the doors wide open, the windows wide open. Come on in, no gates, no objections. Just come on in, say yes to Jesus, boom. You're part of this heavenly father. And we hold some things in common. Granted, in a room even like this, we have people with all sorts of backgrounds, right? Gender, old, young, beautiful, not so beautiful. Not just saying, y'all gorgeous. We have people that are, that are professionals, people who have high, important jobs, people who have simple jobs. We have people who are highly educated, people who haven't done much schooling. We have people from all walks of life coming together in one place for one common thing. We come together to do what? To experience the power of God, to experience his presence, to hear his voice, to hear from our Father. And we have this in common. We are all sinners. Every one of us falls short of the glory of God. We all need his grace, right? Every one of us comes understanding we don't have what it takes to make our life right with God. I love the story we heard this morning, this couple looking everywhere else, almost, almost finding the truth, but not finding it anywhere else. Jesus says, there is no other way, only through my son. Only through Jesus do we become brothers and sisters in Christ. And we need one another. We desperately need one another. This is the part we fail to understand when we accept doing church outside. When we don't gather together as a family, we miss out on our ability to receive encouragement and strength from one another. Even just the fact that we just worship together. People from all kinds of backgrounds worshiping together. Now, where else would you do this? Where else would you go and gather with a whole bunch of people you don't know anything about? You, you might be in a great place. They might be in a hard place, right? And we might be singing next to a person who's going through the worst time of their life or next to a person who's having the best time of their life. We don't know who shows up, but we come together because we need one another. We need one another. In Hebrews 10, it says this. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promises is faithful. And let us not consider how we may spur one another. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some of are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. You see, we all hold to the same hope. We all hold to the hope that Jesus is who he says he is. He will come back as he says he is. And that this world, no matter how dark it gets, it's still under the sovereignty of our Heavenly Father. That even hurricanes... Even all kinds of natural disasters or crazy dictators or crazy violent people, they have nothing against, nothing they can do against our Heavenly Father. He is sovereign. He's in control. And we come together in that hope. We come together because the world is desperate to know. Will it ever be right? Will it ever be back the way it's supposed to be? Yes, it will. Jesus plans to do that. That is what God's already put in plan. We come together, we gather to hold on to that hope. And that's why we come as brothers and sisters to encourage and strengthen one another. And we belong to one another. Last week we talked about we are the body of Christ. And Paul uses this language of an actual physical body. That some of us are the hands, some of us are the feet, some of us are the head. 
all kinds of different, but God, Jesus, is the ultimate head of this body. And so the, the hand can't tell the feet, I don't need you. Of course, the hands need the feet, otherwise they'd go nowhere, right? All, both the hands and the feet need the heart and the mind. We need one another. We are brothers and sisters because we need one another, and we are belonging to another. And this is what it says in Romans chapter 7. Again, here's this term. So, my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit. How is it that we can work together? Why is it that we belong together? Because when we work together as a family, much fruit is produced. You see the situation in Houston today. Churches coming together. We have partners there who are coming together to serve the needs of all that are affected, whether they're part of the church or not. Coming together as one, fruitful, because we are behaving as the body of Christ, as the family of God, whose intention, whose God's plan is for us to care for one another. And it doesn't matter if you don't know one another. You know, my, my brothers and sisters and I, I have, I'm one of seven. I'm number six. So I have three brothers and three sisters. And we're all over the place. One of, I have a brother in Afghanistan. I have a brother in Washington, a sister in Puerto Rico, a sister in Florida, a couple of siblings here. I mean, we're all over the map. And we don't talk to each other that much. But when we come together, oh, we're a family. We're back to being a family. And we're there for one another because nothing can change, not even the distance, the fact that we are family. We're brothers and sisters. And that's the same for us. We are a permanent family designed by God. Ephesians 1 says this, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family and bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. It gives God pleasure to see us being brothers and sisters in Christ. It is God's desire, his, his joyful desire, to see us behave as the one body, loving on one another and loving on others. And it's his intention that we would be brothers and sisters forever, forever. As we draw towards God, we draw towards one another. And I know, I know that sometimes the church has been a painful place. And some of you might be going, I don't even like that idea because I just came from a church and they really hurt me. I get it. I get that we don't always get it right. But that's the case even in family, right? If you have family and you've been hurt by your own family, you know. You know that's hard. But we try. We still look to be the family that God calls us to be. We, we definitely don't want to hurt one another. And it's terrible that people do that. But God wants us to be brothers and sisters to love one another. I told you, our smoothie family, it's rather complex at times. And we had times when our children are at each other, and Jim and I are trying to figure out how to bring the peace, if you know what I'm saying. Because our desire is for our family to be one. And one of the ways that we do this with them is because we threw these kids together 14 years ago, is that we had to figure out how to help them build relationship, build new memories. And so we decided we're going to go on a vacation trip and we're going to put them all in one house. How do you think that worked for year one? Not so good. Make sure, like, hey, that was really nice, but can we, like, have different places to live? Because that, you know, to stay. 
It was definitely difficult. We've done it about six times now over the last 14 years. And let me tell you, it gets better and better and better every year. And this last year they said, we want to make sure we're always in one house. Because they're starting to have these relationships. with one. Now, listen, they've upset each other at times. They've had their arguments. They've had their stuff. But they see the value of being one family. And one of the ways that we, when we gather together, the way that we try to build community with them is that we actually assign to every couple uh, to make a meal. So every day we have a different couple requiring, it's required of them to make the meal for that night. And when we all sit together at the table and we start sharing stories, because of course they don't have, they didn't grow up together. And so they're sharing stories and we're hearing from the, in, the, the daughter-in-law and the son-in-law about their stories. We come together. But it requires that we make a purposeful intent to sit with one another, to hear each other out. Now, you came in this morning, especially if you are a regular to the chapel, you probably sat in the same place you always sit, right? And you sat there with a few people that you like. You probably coordinated ahead of time, hey, I'm coming to the chapel at 11, let's sit together, because you want to hang with your peeps, and you want to make sure you know who's around you. The church kind of messes with that. Because here we are sitting with all sorts of people. Imagine if I told you, stand up, go sit somewhere else with someone you don't know. How many of you would love to do that? The extroverts. <laughs> Everyone else would be like, please don't do that to me. But how else would you know one another? How else would you find out that those of you sitting over here, there's a great brother and sister over there. There's a, probably a great new friend. There might be someone over here that might be able to help you. And those of you who are sitting over here, there's someone pretty amazing at that back row that you need to meet. If we don't make an effort to meet one another, how would we, how could we ever become the brothers and sisters, the family of God that Jesus wants us to be? And so I'm going to lead us into that today through our table of communion. You know, when Jesus had his last supper, he sat at a table with the disciples. Oh, what a motley crew. They were arguing at the table who was going to sit to one side or the other side of Jesus. All of them had almost one foot out the door because they knew trouble was coming. And if a minute trouble came, they were all running in different directions, which exactly that's what happened. At that same table, there was Judas, a man who had already determined to betray Jesus. And yet Jesus invited them to the table. And there at this table, he starts a practice for us, the family of God. And how practical, right? A meal, sitting down together, the very thing we know when we sit with someone to have a meal, that's how we build relationship. And so he says, do this in memory of me. Gather together around the table and remind yourselves, you are a child of God if you said yes to Jesus. At the table, we are reminded that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. At the table, we are reminded that Jesus gave all for us. There he sat at the table with his enemies who was intending to turn him in. He knew that soon, within hours, he would be taken to the cross. And yet he chose to stand with them. You see, everyone's invited to the table. But we must remember this table is the table of Jesus where we are reminded of what he did for us. And we are reminded of who we are, who we are in relationship with God and with one another. 
Thank you again for listening. Make sure to learn more about Inez Franklin at www.inezfranklin.com. You can help share these teachings by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts and sending this episode to a friend. Make sure to follow Inez Franklin on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and more, where she is engaging with the community and inviting us to participate with God and his work together. Thanks again.